I love y'all. I appreciate the way you raised me, and I thank you to my wife, my bud. Uh, next month, it'll be 24 years of marriage for us. I thank the Lord for our ups, for our downs, for our ins, and for our outs. But we are still here, and we're going to continue to be together and serve the Lord. The irony about today is that actually when I met with Pastor, I wasn't for all, and I just looked up to my brother and his wife, who always, he's always, and they're always there to support me whenever they know that I'm preaching. Love you, brother. He had a word for me a couple Sundays ago that spoke particularly, specially to me, and I thank you for that word. Uh, the irony of the day is that actually today was supposed to have been the Sunday that I was supposed to stand up here and announce that I have been running from God. But instead, I'm standing here to do what he called me to do from the beginning, and that's to preach his word. And I've told people that I'm glad that God didn't do me like he did Jonah and use a great fish and put me in the belly of the great fish for three days to get me to where he wanted me to be. So we just thank you. I thank all my church mothers and everyone that has poured into me through my years of growing up here in the mission. Uh, I thank you. And it's good to see Sister Kim back there. I know you've always, you've been trying to get here to church, and I see you back there, and it's good to see you back there. Uh, you all are here to hear the word of God, so we got all the formalities out the way. If you have your Bibles, your phone, your laptop, whatever it is that you are using now, in the day of modern technology, we have more than just the Bible, but I'm old school. I got to have my Bible. When I teach Sunday school, I ask my students, even though they have their phone, I ask them to use their Bible because their phone may not always work for them. And I will use my reader because I'm up in age. I need the use of another pair of eyes. Uh, our scripture today will be coming out of the book of James, the book of James, chapter 1, starting in verse 1 through verse 3, the book of James, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it is up on the screen, and there you will find these words, James a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. To the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall in divers' temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. That is it. You may be seated. For a subject today, I want to use the strengthening of our faith. 
with a catch to it, no pain, no gain. No pain, no gain. Father God, as I stand here before you to proclaim your word, I ask that you would decrease me, hide me behind your glory. I ask that you would pour out of me that you have poured into me. Uh, I told pastor that I'm pregnant and I got a date to give birth. So we ask that you would just birth this word and as it comes out that it would bring life to those that are in need of it. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. And in my haste, I forgot to say in our pastor, in his absence, thanking him for trusting me to stand up here behind his pulpit and to bring his word. So James 1, 1 through 3, the strengthening of our faith, no pain, no gain. In the world of fitness and training, there is a popular phrase or saying of no pain, no gain. This phrase or saying is to imply that for you to get stronger or to become better fit, that you must go through some pain. This morning I want to preach to you on the process involved in the strengthening of our faith. And though the strengthening of a person's physical strength and spiritual faith are different, the process involved for each is similar. Each one needs three things. It needs to be stressed or stretched. It needs to be fed and rested in order to grow. Let me repeat that. It needs to be stressed or stretched. It needs to be fed and it needs to rest in order to grow. The book of James is written by James the half-brother of Jesus, who is the first pastor of the church in Jerusalem. It is written approximately 16 years after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension. James is writing to the 12 tribes that have been scattered abroad and are being persecuted for their faith and belief in, in, in Jesus. And it is in verse 2 and 3, where we find our text, where James write, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers or trials and temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. My brothers and sisters, our trials and tribulations are here to strengthen our faith in God so that we have a testimony for him. Scripture says in Romans 12 and 11, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Our salvation is in the blood of Jesus and our testimony. But you can't have a testimony without a test. Some of us want to have a testimony but we're not willing to go through the test in order to have the testimony. Now, the first part of this process is the stretching of your faith. 
Whenever a person wants to get stronger physically, one way to do this is by lifting weights or exercising. And by choosing to lift weights or exercising, a person makes a conscious or voluntary decision to cause stress and strain to their muscles for them to grow. During this phase, the individual may look forward to or find joy in going to the gym and putting in the work necessary to achieve this desired result. Those results are a stronger body. There is a saying when runners run that they get to a point to where they reach what is called a runner's high, that they get to a point where they just feel, they feel good in that area and it's called a runner's high. Back when I was younger in my days in college, I played football. And we had a conditioning program that wasn't voluntary. It was involuntary, but it was needed because the coaches knew in order for us to be successful on the field, we needed to train, we needed to get stronger, we needed to get faster, we needed to get better fit. And we look, believe it or not, we look forward to doing that training because we knew in the end it would make us all better. It would make us a better team. It would make us stronger. Choir, y'all practice? Terry McMetta? I've heard stories about y'all. But y'all do that because you know you're putting in the work for when they come here on Sundays, what they put out is for us and for us to worship and for the learn, but for the Lord. So there is pain in some things that we have to do. Much like the physical stress that one endures during training, exercising the stress experienced in one's spiritual faith can be physical. It could come in the form of sickness, or it may show itself through some form of mental hardship. One may experience financial difficulties, problems with our children, on our job, and sometimes life just by all by itself. Living day to day just by itself is a struggle for some of us. You just don't know what it takes for some people to get up out of the bed and to press their way through a day. That's why when you see somebody, you should smile and say hi to them. You just don't know what they are going through in that day that just you saying hi to them may bring a joy to them that somebody thought enough just to say hi to them. Job 14 and 1 says, man that is born of a woman is of a few days and full of trouble. Jesus tells us in Matthew 5 and 45, for he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good. And he sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. So my brothers and sisters, just like my elders used to tell me, if you ain't in no trouble, just keep on living. Trouble is gonna come knocking on your door. And when it comes knocking on your door, you need to have faith in the Lord that you can call on the Lord and he will help you in your time of trouble. How can you say that the Lord is a healer and you've never been sick? 
And I'm not talking about that Tylenol sick or that Aleve sick where you just go take a pill and everything is all right. I'm talking about when the doctor has told you there's nothing else that they can do. What do you do then? Or how can you say he's a bridge over troubled waters and you've always had smooth sailing in your life? Or how can you say the Lord will make a way out of no way and you've never been in a situation where you needed the Lord to make a way that after that situation, you knew that if it had not been for the Lord on my side, where, oh where, where would I be? After the muscle has been stressed and stretched, it needs the proper nutrients to grow. The individual must eat the right type of foods that has the proteins, carbohydrates, and other essential vitamins needed to assist in the muscle growing. But those that eat the wrong food, such as junk food, junk in, junk out. The muscle will not grow as fast. The other thing that we had when I was in college in football, it was that we had a separate lunchroom where we ate. They gave us all the good stuff, steak, T-bones, all that good stuff. And they made sure that we ate because it did no good for us to put the work in the gym and then we eat McDonald's, hamburgers, cheeseburgers. You need to feed the body, the muscles, in order for them to grow. In comparison, our faith is fed by the word of God. Jesus in Matthew 4 and 4 is quoting from Deuteronomy 8 and 3, and it is after he has fasted, 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. He is weak. He is tired. He is hungry. He is at the brink where you would think he would do anything just to get something to eat. And guess who shows up knocking on his door? The old devil himself tells him, if you be the son of God, turn these stones into bread. But Jesus responded, the word responded with the word. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. As a person of faith, as a believer, my new Christians that are on this new journey, Satan is mad because he done lost somebody that he was trying to take to hell. Young lady, get in Sunday school. Learn the word. My sister coming back. Stay in the word. Stay in the word. The word is what feeds us. The word is what feeds our spirit. Those that worship the Lord must worship him in spirit and in truth. The word feeds our spirit. This word, it may come through a sermon. It may come through reading and studying our Bible. 
or from listening to a hymn or song of praise. Yes, sir. Now, the Lord didn't bless me, Terry. <laughs> New mission <laughs> with a beautiful voice. But what he did bless me was a servant heart and that when, I, when he put a song on my, my heart, my wife would tell you, Monday, he might put a, word, a song on my heart. Terry, I try. <laughs> you know how you sing at home and it sounds one way. But when you get up here, and I know you, you would ask me, what key? And I would just tell you, my key, you find it. <laughs> So the, the, the Lord will put a song on, on my heart. And sometimes that song was not for me. It was for when we come and do devotion, that as we sing that song, it might touch someone, somebody else, that is going through something. And, it, and when they hear that song, they don't walk out of here the same way that they came in. You, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm raised from the old white church, and I love the old hymns, but I'm also progressive. I'm, I'm, I'm progressive, you know. And, and when you learn the hymns, what you don't understand is when you look at the words in the hymn, there is a sermon. There is a sermon in the hymn. If you don't believe me, grab a hymn book. Read it. Don't sing it. Just read it. And when you read the words, it's like they're preaching to you. And then there's something on the inside that gets stirred up that no matter what you're going through, that, that, that the song just do something for you. Lynetta, you said in the song, I love the Lord. He heard my cry and pitied my every groan. Long as I live in trouble rise, I'll hasten to his throne. November 2018, my mother-in-law was in Jewish hospital. She was diagnosed with bladder cancer. And the doctors had told my father-in-law that there was nothing else that they can do. My father-in-law, being the loving husband that he was, he thought that I'm going to do everything I can. He even thought about flying her over to Europe to do some other type of treatment because he was going to do everything he can because he took a vow in sickness and in health, and that's what he was going to do. But he was at the hospital, and it was Saturday morning, and he had been at the hospital, and they were getting ready to transport her over to Hospice of Blue Ash, and my father-in-law wanted to go home, and he wanted to wash up, because he had been with my mother-in-law. And so I told him, I said, Daddy, I said, I'll come up there, and I'll sit with Mama while you go home, and you get washed up. And I'm sitting there with my mother-in-law, and I'm praying, and anybody that ever been around a person that has cancer, when they say your body is racking 
with pain. You just don't understand. I got to see firsthand what that meant. I thought my mother-in-law was resting. And just out of nowhere, she just groaned. And I, being a paramedic, I knew what the problem was. The problem was, and Sister Reader, you can attest to this, that the hospitals are only allowed to give you so much morphine to ease your pain. They only allowed to give it to you every four hours. That's all they allowed to give it to you. So if within those four hours you having pain, they can't give you nothing else. So I knew what the problem was, that she needed morphine to comfort her pain. But just like the hymn says, I love the Lord, he heard my cry and pity my every groan. Scripture says that the Holy Spirit interprets our moaning and our groaning. That I knew that in that moment when she groaned, all I had to do because two or three are gathered in his name, there where he be in the midst. So I just touched her and said, in the name of Jesus, just ease her pain. Knowing that man can't ease her pain right now, but I know a man that has more medicine in the hem of his garment that he can heal anything. He can ease any pain that you're having. And from that time on, she did not have any more pain. Romans 10 and 17 says, So faith cometh by hearing, and hearing the, by the word of God. And I said that I was a progressive person. I was raised, with say, traditional old school. And I, I, I love the old school. I love being around my daddy. My daddy gets up here, and he sings those hymns from way down, way down south, from Alabama down in the hills, down there, the red clay. He sing those songs that when they didn't have any instruments, all they had was the wood floors. This is what I'm told, because I ain't that old, that the churches were in the woods, and they get to singing, and clapping and tapping their feet. They didn't need any instruments because they had a joyful noise inside them. There's a song by Ty Tribbett. And it says, if he did it before, he'll do it again. Same God right now. Same God back then. So when you go through your trials and tribulations, when the Lord brings you over and through those trials and tribulations and Satan comes back knocking on your door, you take a stand. You bulge your shoulders and you say, the Lord did it before and he'll do it again. I'm trusting in the Lord. I will trust in the Lord until I die. After our faith has been stressed, 
or stretched and has been fed by the word of God. The third and final part of this process is rest. I'm glad I got some medical people in here with me because they can, they, can, they can help me out, Miss Rita. We were fearfully and wonderfully made. And in Genesis, we know that on six days, God created the heaven and earth. He created everything. And on the seventh day, he rested. But it wasn't that he rested because he needed rest. Because our scripture tells us that he neither sleeps nor slumbers. So why would he put in there that he rested? And then later on when he gave the children of Israel the Ten Commandments, he said, remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. Six days shall ye work, and on the seventh day shall ye rest. He put that in there for us. It wasn't that for him. Because do you know that as the body is resting, as you are sleeping, being fearfully and wonderfully made that God created us, that your body is healing, it's repairing, it's being rejuvenated. All your aches and pains are being dealt with. That's why when a baby is born, and I got a, I got a, me and my wife got a baby at home. We got a four-legged baby at home. We got a puppy. <laughs> but he does the same thing that my new granddaughter does. He eats. He sleeps. In between, he does some other stuff. <laughs> but he eats and he sleeps. Because when you're sleeping for a baby, that is the most important time for them. Because their body is growing. Their body is developing. So as you rest, as you sleep, you are, your body is healing. It's rejuvenating itself. Yes, this past week for Thanksgiving, I baked 32 pies, uh, 11 pound cakes. That was from Monday through Wednesday. Not to mention, we had Sister Murray's burial Monday. That's when Pastor told me, we riding up to Dayton. And he asked me, he said, can you officiate Sunday? I said, yeah, I, I officiate, I got you. He said, whatever you need me to do. And he gets a phone call from the minister that was supposed to preach today. And after he gets off the phone, you know how pass is. He turns and looks at me. <laughs> you know, you think you can preach Sunday? I said, whatever you need me to do, Pastor, if you need me to preach, I'll preach. Because Scripture says that we should always be ready to give reason for our hope, which is in Jesus Christ. So I told him, and I even told him, I said, you know, Pastor, that's the irony is I wasn't even supposed to be in the minister's role right now. I was supposed to be making my announcement. But some people, Reverend Graham, and others knew that this is where God wanted me to be. And so I'm doing this, and as I'm baking, you know, I'm in the kitchen. It's hot. 
I'm up and down. I'm on the feet. My wife would tell you. She looked at me. She just wanted to say, my body aches. I'm, I'm hurting. I'm tired. I would finish about 1130, 12 o'clock, and I would go lay down. I don't know how the Lord deals with you all, but how he deals with me is when he's ministering to me, I can't sleep. There's just something in my spirit that I'm tossing and turning, and I have learned that that is the time for me to get up and go spend time with the Lord. It's usually around 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock <laughs> in the morning. And if you do the math, I told you I finished around 1130, 12 o'clock. So that's four hours of sleep. And when I got up, I started baking again and wiped my cakes with the oven. I would spend time with the Lord. And that happened Monday. It happened Tuesday. It happened Wednesday. I can't, but it happened Thursday. But each time he kept giving me just a little bit of the sermon because you can't handle God giving it all to you at once. Can I, can I get a witness, my brothers? The, the, the weight of preaching the word is so heavy that God can't just come and dump it all on you. He's got to gradually feed it to you. You got to take a little bit at a time. And then, once you're full, you're ready to just, just get it out. I told the ministers uh, when we were in the office, uh, Rev came in and he goes, you I said, first of all, I said, I'm pregnant. He said, you pregnant? He looked at me, I said, yeah, man, I'm pregnant, man. And then later on, he said, who's preaching? I said, I'm preaching. I said, I told you I'm pregnant. I said, I got a word in me that, that, that like Jeremiah said, it's like fire that shut up in your bones that I got I to gotta get it out. But you need to rest. Matthew 11, 28, Jesus says, come unto me, all that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We need to find our rest in the Lord for our faith to grow. In Psalms chapter 3, verse 5, David writes in there, and he is, this is when he is running from his son, Absalom. And he's fleeing. And he writes, and he says these words, I laid me down and slept. I awakened for the Lord sustaining me. We said earlier, the Lord is a keeper. He will keep you even when you sleep. We tell our kids, we teach our kids the, the, the prayer, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. But the Lord is a keeper. So as he rests, he will administer to your spirit. Jesus will take our trials and tribulations, and he will give us the strength to endure. We see this 
with Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 8. Elijah in chapter 18 had just had his greatest battle, the battle on Mount Carmel, where he, along with other Israel prophets, they took on the prophets of Baal. And you know the story that in that battle, the prophets of Baal cried out unto their God. They were even cutting themselves off to where Elijah even started mocking them, saying, well, maybe he's asleep. Maybe you should yell a little louder. But in the end, it was God that came down with fire and divided up the offering, including the water that was around it. 450 prophets were slain that day. And later, Elijah goes and he prays for rain to come because the land had been in famine. And rain comes back to the land. And we find him in chapter 19, and it says that Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel, one person, one person, he just took on 450 prophets. One person puts out the word, let the small g gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Basically, she put a hit out on Elijah. She said, may my gods kill me if I don't kill you by tomorrow. So Elijah, when he saw this, he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went another day's journey in the wilderness. Ain't that something? He went from the mountaintop to the wilderness. He went from the mountain to the valley. He went from victorious to feeling defeated. Isn't that how life is sometimes? That you come over one trial and tribulations and you just feeling the glory out of the victory that God has given you. Here comes that old devil again, knocking on your door. And no matter how many trials and tribulations the Lord has delivered you from, it seems like every time one comes our way, we, 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 we kind of get weak in our faith. But, but, but that's why we're we having this sermon today, so that you can be strong in your faith. And even to the point where it said that Elijah came and sat under a juniper tree and asked the Lord to just kill him. Again, we get to the point sometimes in life that we want to just throw in the towel. You want to quit. You want to give up. You don't want to continue to press on. But that's when you need to give it to the Lord. Sister Harper, I think you sing a song that Jesus will work it out if you let him. And I think in there it says, I turned it over to the Lord. 
and he worked it out. My brothers and sisters, when you're going through your trials and tribulations, whatever it may be, turn it over to the Lord. Give it to Jesus. Don't try to take it back. When we do altar prayer, you bring your, your problems up here to the altar. Don't bring them up to the altar, and then when you leave here, take it with you. Leave it up here on the altar and, and let the Lord deal with it. Because Peter says, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. So you give it to the Lord and let him deliver you out of your trials and tribulations. Well, I'm going to get ready to take my seat. But before I take my seat, we go through the process again that in order to strengthen our faith, we needed to be stressed or tried or tested. We need to feed our faith and then we need to rest in the Lord. Paul tells us in Romans 8 and 18, for I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. My brothers and sisters, there is a word that someone would use to describe the worst pain that they ever had or are having. And that word is excruciating. Webster Dictionary defines it as very painful, causing great mental or physical pain, very severe, extreme, or excessive. Well, if you would allow me just for a minute Sister Lynetta, to use, uh, she, she'll understand here in a minute, the three years of Latin that I took over at Walnut Hills <laughs> that I never thought that I would ever need because Latin is a dead language. Nobody speaks Latin. So that's why when I was taking this, like, why well, I got to learn this language? It's dead. But there's a reason why they teach you Latin. Sister Ruff, you went to Walnut Hills. That's because they teach you Latin because the majority of our words originate from Latin. Your legal terminology come from Latin words. Your medical terminology come from Latin words. So as we break this word down, you look at the prefix ex, E-X. It means out of, as in expired, out of date, or experienced or out of date or experience, which is what you have learned from out of your past. Or even the second book of the Old Testament, Exodus, which it means, which is when the Lord brought the children of Israel out of bondage in the land of Egypt. The second part of the word excruciated comes from the Latin word cruciare which means to crucify. Now when you take the two words and you put them together, you get the pain that came out of being crucified. Now we know our Lord and Savior was crucified on an old rugged cross. 
And we know that our salvation comes from out of the cross, the price that he paid on that cross. Jesus was stretched wide. He was hung high. And even while he was hanging on that cross, the word was still feeding. Don't you hear him telling the thief on the cross when he said, Father, remember me when you enter your kingdom. Jesus tells him, this day shall you be with me in paradise. He takes care of his mother who is about to be without a son. She says, son, behold thy mother. Woman, behold thy son. So Jesus, up on the cross, was still feeding. He stayed on the cross. He even refused the vinegar that they wanted to give him, which was supposed to help him ease the pain that he was taking on the cross. Jesus endured the worst pain that anybody can take dying on the cross. He hung his head, he gave up the ghost, and he died. They took Jesus off that old rugged cross, and they put him in a borrowed tomb. He rested all night Friday. He rested all day Saturday. He rested all night Saturday night, but early, early, one Sunday morning, he got up with all power of heaven in his hand, saying, death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Knowing that the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is in the law, but thanks be to Jesus Christ. The Lord who gives us strength, the victory through Jesus. Now because of that, we can look at Hebrews 12 and 2. And we can say, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Who for, there's that word, that word for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame for it says in our scripture that cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree and he is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God interceding for us waiting for you to just cast all your cares about it aren't you glad about it aren't you glad about it no pain no gain. Jesus endured the worst pain in order to gain our salvation. The worst pain that they came up with a word for it, excruciating. Out of the cross is where our healing comes from. Out of the cross is where our deliverance comes from. Out of the cross is where your joy comes from. Out of the cross is where your peace comes from. Out of your cross is where your salvation comes from. It was the cross 
the old rugged cross that Jesus hung and died on. No pain, no gain. No pain, no gain. Because Jesus got on that cross and took on all our sins, endured the pain of the cross. We can say that victory, victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory today is mine. I told Satan, get thee behind. Victory today is mine. No pain, no gain. Thank you.